everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that music, because it's time to hang out with me, Rob, Kim, Lara. We've got a whole group here today, uh, here on the Rec Poker Podcast. If you don't know what Rec Poker is, we're an online community, we're a real-life community, we're a community of folks that love playing poker and learning about poker and railing each other. It's mostly free. Go to rec.poker to sign up now. All it takes is an an email address and a smile. I'm your host, Jim Reed, and if you want to learn about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, um, where you can learn about me and the rest of the wrecking crew. Um, But I'm just uh, one member of the wrecking crew that's here. Just like every week, I'm joined by some fun friends to talk poker. Uh, One of them, the man himself, Rob Washam. Rob, why don't you tell the group where they can reach you? Um, yeah, I'm Rob Washam, and my you can find me as Rabman50 just about everywhere. Um, Poker Stars, ACR, email, or Rob at Rec Poker if you want to contact me through the Rec Poker site. Um, I just want to say that I'm jealous and I'm looking forward to everybody that can play in the main event this year. I hope everybody has good luck, and and the most important thing is to have a lot of fun. Mm, you said it, Rob. I know I had a lot of fun when I was down there um, in Las Vegas, not playing in the main event, but it's hard to have a bad time when you're hanging out with these kind of great people all the time. We're going to be joined by uh, Kim Kilroy as well, pet vet, uh, shortly. And uh, speaking of things that are happening shortly, before we start the interview, I just want to tease we're doing one more rec poker road trip with uh, Run Good coming up. By the time you hear this episode, Uh, You'll be able to catch up with us in Council Bluffs, Iowa, from November 11th to November 14th. Uh, A few listeners will be no stranger to that series down there and that destination. That's going to be a lot of fun. And the only other thing I want to tell people is uh, if you're enjoying this audio, it's a lot more fun to do the video version of the podcast. And when we do our forums editions, you also get a chance to see a lot more information about what's being talked about with the group. And so that's all free. If you go to YouTube and search for the Rec Poker community, uh, please do subscribe there and you'll get an update. We put out a lot of free videos every week and it's a great way to learn along and uh, get involved in the community. So speaking of learning along and getting involved in the community, um, here we've, I'm, well, I'm happy to introduce Lara Eisenberg, who's uh, a recent bracelet winner in the, w, uh, in the 2021 WSOP. And um, that's just a, a small piece of what makes her story interesting. So why don't we just get started right here? Welcome, Laura, to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much, Jim. I appreciate being here. <laughs> now, you have a, a, a kind of a colorful history. You've been involved in a bunch of interesting aspects of your life, your uh, medical training, some of your leisure activities that uh, some people may or may not, not know about, your skydiving experience. This isn't also your first uh, time being victorious in the poker arena. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about kind of what's brought you to this point uh, now that you're a bracelet winner at the top of the mountain, looking back <laughs> and kind of see, so like what, what got you interested and in, in what helped you get to where you are here today? Sure, sure. So I've, I've always had a competitive uh, streak. And uh, as a kid, you know, I was just not somebody who was like athletic. So I was never really involved in sports or things like that. And it wasn't until I got to college, I started playing pool, actually. And uh, so I was first a competitive billiards player. And um, I got uh, a couple of national third places while I was in uh, college. And so that was really fun. And then I um, got busy with medical school. 
And somewhere along the way, I always knew I was going to start skydiving. And I started skydiving when I was a resident. And uh, um, so I know um, Eric Jin, who I guess goes by Binkley with you guys yeah. uh, through skydiving. And I was never on his level uh, of skydiving, but I did compete a lot in four-way and eight-way and uh, did some large formation uh, skydiving things uh, too. Um, we have the still the current 400 way is the world record largest formation that we did back in 2006. Um, yeah, so let's I'm, let's just talk about that for one second. So that so <laughs> sure. just let's not gloss over that. So that's a 400 person formation. Uh, yes. Is that right? So you're you're skydiving with 399 other people, and you have yep. to. So I guess you have to jump from higher. You have to obviously get into formation, hold the formation, and then break off so you can shoot down safely. What what goes right. into that? What's that? Yeah, like? the, I mean, the hardest thing about these large formations isn't the, really the skill of any individual person. You know, you can't be a novice and you have to have experience and know how to know what you're doing. But the real difficulty in the things is the, all the logistics of a country who's willing to let you do it, who's willing to give you C-130 planes or equivalent so you can put tons of people in them and crew to go with it. You know, because no no skydivers, we couldn't each pay our individual portion of what it cost for us to be there, honestly. Um, but we did that event, um, you know, because they were, you know, the people who organized it had done other uh, large formations there before and were kind of in with the government and the royalty of Thailand. And we did it as part of the uh, Royal Sky Celebration, which was the 50th anniversary of the king's ascendancy to the throne. So he graciously said, Here's five C-130s. Here's the crew that goes with them. It takes five people to fly each one, and each one can fly one mission per day. And we would do like five jumps a day. So we had a hundred and some military people at our, you know, doing skydiving things, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And uh, we were there for three weeks to do it. And so it just takes, it takes a tremendous, you know, if you need three, you know, if you need 400 people, you have to have five. Um, right. Because there's going to be injuries, sicknesses, family emergencies, and you have to have video people, all the crew in the ground, and the logistics of doing the hotel. I mean, it's uh, just everything, you know, it's just astonishing. Um, so it was pretty lucky that we pulled it off. Well, I like your approach. Uh, find a, a member of royalty who has something to celebrate and, right. uh, you know, get, get aligned <laughs> with that. That seems like a good way to get something like that done. Yeah, the U.S. government doesn't take too kindly to people wanting to just go through <laughs> around with their C-130s too much. So. I've, but, heard uh, I've heard that. I've heard that. Even even here from Canada, I've heard that about the uh, U.S. government. That's pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty awesome. And they had, I mean, so we had five C-130s flying in formation uh, with 80 skydivers uh, for the formation in each. Um, and just flying C-130s in formation is a big deal you know, of stuff that they're not doing all the time. There's not a reason to usually. So just right. every, you know, every piece of it was something, you know, different. And, and as, as an individual taking part in that, um, what kind of a, like what qualifies you to do something like that? And then B, how do you practice or prepare for that individually and as a team? Sure. Sure. So, I mean, it used to be a thing that everybody was setting state records, you know, as you know, so I was, you know, we did a 50-way North Carolina state record, you know, and then you break it by doing 55. And, and so there were all these things where you had a chance to practice, you know, the skills that you need, which mostly is jumping out of a plane and being able to dive down at a formation that's forming. And, you know, you're catching up, you're going 200 miles an hour, catching up to something that's going 120 miles an hour. And you have to be able to know when to slow down and to be able to fly you know, and dock and do the things that you need to do. Um, some of the things that like the kind of stuff that Eric did um, takes quite a bit more skill, in my opinion, 
um, to do the comp, you know, the high level competition skydiving is much more difficult. Um, but it still it takes practice and you have to be able to see, so you hope, hopefully find people that are doing 50 or hundred way formations mm. where you can gain those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just become, it's a small group of people that were doing those things. I mean, relatively small, but then people know who's done what and, uh, who has the skills to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, Eric, Eric Jin, uh, who goes by Binkley around here, um, he is, uh, he's a humble guy. He doesn't like to toot his own horn, but since you're on the show here and he's not, can you just talk a little bit about sort of how, how you know him and what he does differently in the air and, and why you think that's uh, so interesting or cool? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so Eric was part of, you know, basically one of the best skydiving teams, period. Um, so, you know, I, I competed in four-way and eight-way competitions as well, which are four man or woman uh, teams and eight-person teams. And you're doing different things, kind of smaller formations. It's hard to describe, you know, in an audio format, but, um, you know, it's very physical. You're doing, you know, complex kind of skydiving moves in a very constrained time frame. You have like 35 seconds, for example, doing a four-way competition. Um, and then people like doing what Eric did are doing this as a full-time, you know, job and their sponsored team and are, you know, making tons of jumps a year and just performing at an amazingly high level. So that's who we always looked up to as Arizona Airspeed, the team that he was with, you know, and these guys that, you know, that are just, you know, and the Golden Knights Army Parachute team is, you know, another, and, you know, there are several others that around the time that I was jumping, they're just, those were the idols that we looked up to of the people that are just amazing you know, and just really, you know, putting it together on all fronts. So, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's, Eric's really taken a, a, a leadership role here at Rec Poker too. He runs a weekly um, study event, the play, explain and learn where everyone can play in a, a simulated cash game and talk about their action afterwards and record their thoughts. That's really cool. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he's uh, uh, at the, at the front of, of a lot of those things that he enjoys doing. That's um, so sp- speaking of which, so, you, I don't know if you want to uh, transition into some of your other professional uh, accomplishments, but um, speaking of being at the forefront, so you're you're a medical, you're you're a radiologist, is that correct? Yes. Yep. And that's kind of an interesting. Uh, I know you've talked before about how it kind of gives you some time to work on things like poker, but it also keeps you very focused and stimulated at work. Um, what what brought you into that path, and how did you manage to combine? Uh, you know, serious skydiving along with that medical training and occupation. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I wanted to be a doctor from the time I was a little kid. Um, and I d- wasn't sure what I was going to do within medicine. I started out in surgery, actually, and then uh, switched to radiology. And, um, you know, and I like radiology a lot. My prior job, it's only recently in the last few years, that I've had a job where I work every other week from home. Um, and before that, I was working in a hospital. I was the chair of the department and ran meetings and did lots of, you know, kind of administrative stuff. So I didn't, you know, I still had decent time off, but not the, not quite as much as now. Um, and so radiology is great because you have a lot of flexibility. You know, you can be reading MRIs and CAT scans, you know, from anywhere in the U.S. Basically, you can't do it overseas. But, um, you know, so that gives you a lot of, you know, options of how you want to work. And so I was working at home before the pandemic started and continue to do so during the pandemic. Um, and the, really the only downside of working seven on, seven off is that you're work, doing something every other weekend, too. So a lot of live poker stuff happens on weekends. So that's, you know, that makes it harder when you want to be able to spend time, you know, with, you know, my, I want to spend time with my wife and friends and do things like that. And that stuff all happens on weekends. You know, so that stuff's always a negotiation. 
but um, but I like my job a lot. And, you know, things that, you know, I think anything that if you can make it through medical school, you have the discipline to be able to like buckle down and do the work, Yes. you know, and I think as far as translating that to whether it's skydiving or poker or whatever it is, any endeavor that you want to try to get to a reasonably high level at, at some point requires you to like roll up your sleeves and do some of the stuff that's not so much fun. You know, like most people don't like go, yes, it's time to study ICM sims. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. It's so exciting. You know, but you know, when you want to get an edge, you know, those are the kind of things that you're, you know, looking at. And, uh, and skydiving had its equivalent as well, where there's just some stuff that it's like, it's not fun to just go do drills over and over. Um, but that's, you know, that's where the, that's where the, you know, really peak performance comes from. Yeah, I mean, here here we're a lot of recreational players, and so I think it's easy for us to find areas to make big gains because there's just large steps available to us. Because, but mm-hmm. once you become a more serious, more strategic, more advanced player, you know, the edges available to you get smaller and smaller. So you have to work harder for them. You have to, you know, look harder just to find where to explore. Um, sometimes you need some help just to shine a light on that kind of thing. So the, the better you get, the harder it is to improve um, or to make to make great strides. So that's probably true of every career or interest out there. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. But um, but I mean, still, like, I mean, I still there's so much that I can I can learn and improve on, and you know, it's I'm certainly myself not at a point where it's like, like oh, I can't think of what I'll study next or what I could learn. It's like this. <laughs> There's so much, you know, so it's, but that's, what's great. You know, it's like, it's not like even the people, you know, we go over, you know, video footage of people playing the super high rollers and stuff. People are just like butchering stuff left and right, mm-hmm. you know, um, and making mistakes. Cause it's like, we're all humans and none of us are solvers and the solvers are super complicated and the solvers are playing solvers and we're playing random people that are doing weird stuff too, mm-hmm. you know? And so it doesn't translate exactly either. So you know, that's, that's part of the, but we'll keep it forever very much a live game in my opinion. Yeah, me too. I like that. I think so too. Rob? Uh, one of the things we always like to ask our guests is what got you interested in poker to begin with? How did you, how did your poker journey start? We've heard about your skydiving and your radiology, your medical training, what somewhere in there, <laughs> poker became part of your life. So how did that Absolutely. happen? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of funny because I was always like, as computer games started to come out, like, and there was like the, you know, Commodore 64 and the Apple IIe. And like, I'm old enough to have seen like the whole thing. And, you know, and every step as we could do like more computer games, I was like on it, you know, from like the earliest like D&D type games to first person shooters to Zork, you know, in the very beginning, like all of it, you know, and so I I just lost your audio there for a second. So, uh, I, oh, now you're back. I think yeah, my head, that headphone just is having a problem. Oh, <laughs> well, that's okay. When get, take your time and get set. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Zork when uh, Lara gets back to us. Yeah, um, perfect. So yeah, so I had you know like a fancy gaming computer, and I was literally like watching the news after dinner one night, and a commercial came on and was like, Oh, you know, play poker on the internet. I was like, what? I was like, you can play poker for money on the internet. Like that's allowed. That's legal. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I don't know how to play poker at all. I literally like, I didn't know what beats what I didn't know anything about poker, but I was like, I'm not going to sit here and play a game for free in my basement. Like 
if I can play a game that where you could possibly win money playing the game, I'm going to learn how to play that game. So like there has to be books about poker. Right. And so I was like, what are the books? You know? So like, I just like searched and it was like, okay, Dan Harrington, that's a guy that wrote books, you know, and like the Mason Malmuth books. Right. And so, you know, Harrington on hold, uh, you know, just got like those books, which weren't that many at the time and read those started playing on like part, was it uh, paradise poker party poker whatever those like the ones that were there at the time it was all like limit poker was the big thing you know i'm playing that i had no idea what i was doing you know but just like starting to learn that stuff and you know and then there were you know slowly like more and more books were coming out and that's and then eventually there were sites coming out and we started taking trips up to atlantic city and playing live up there and that was so much fun and uh, and then somewhere along the way like i was up at some casino in Atlantic City. And they're like, yo, I was like, I want to get on the list for, you know, three, six, no limit or something. And they're like, no, well, you know, we, we have like a really long list, but there's a one, two, no limit open. I'm like, I don't know how to play no limit. They're like, oh, it's about the same. I was like, all right, well, I'll sit there for a little bit. And I was like, whoa, this is really different. This seems like more fun too, you know? And uh, then somebody invited me to a charity tournament. You're like, whoa, st- tournaments are even better. Like it's a story. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. Like they really like that. And uh, so I started playing a bunch of charity tournaments around D.C. And then just kept, you know, as websites became available, you know, started like learning on you know different websites. And uh, WPT Bootcamp was a thing. So I did a couple of those and um, started learning with like Nick Binger and Brancato. Yep, we have another one there. And uh, and that was great, you know. And so that kind of gave you a framework where you could kind of hold your own and you know, not suck horribly, you know, I felt like, like you could, you know, reasonably, you know, play and have some understanding as, as our understanding was at the time. And, uh, and then it's, you know, from there, it was just following new websites as they, you know, became available, reading books by Jonathan Little and, you know, other people as they came out and, uh, and going from there and eventually, you know, getting to the point, you know, where I am now, like Alex Fitzgerald stuff, that was, you know, you know, I did some coaching with him. And then, um, you know, then it was Rob Tinian, you know, was like, he's going to be putting this site together. And he's like, and you're not going to believe who's going to, you know, be the coach. It's going to be this big surprise. And then it turned out to be Ape Styles. So I was the first person to sign up. I was like, you know, you get a discount if you sign up early. I'm like, I'll be number one and sign up for that. (laughs) Sure. And, uh, And when we started, we had like a handful of people. So there'd be like five of us in a webinar with him you know, and, you know, as it was getting going. And so, you know, you do database reviews and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, so for a couple of years, three years, I think it's, um, that was, we elevate was this subgroup um, of just the more dedicated, you know, people studying, you know, with him as the main coach and then Vlada and a, a couple of other people. It was phenomenal. And that really took my game to a higher level. Um, and doing that. And then when Elevate kind of fell apart, then Ape Styles was going to tra- transfer over and become part of BBZ. So we all moved over to BBZ. Um, and that's where I've been since last October. So it's been a year of being there. And that's, you know, the coaching there is amazing, you know, because, you know, you're getting, we have five, six, eight webinars a week. Um, and just for tournaments, they have other cash webinars, you know, but I can't keep, like, I, you have to, like, draw the line and, like, what you can <laughs> keep up with. It's hard enough to keep up with eight things. Yeah. But, um, you know, but they're just, like, amazingly high-level stuff. Like, John 
you know, Ape Styles does a lot of like database reviews and then other like high level, you know, looking into things with um, Yargo does ICM work. And then um, the other John will do a lot of simple three-way work. So it's a lot of sims and, you know, and evaluating very specific spots and things. But that just also just really was another big jump up. Mm. So. I just see we're getting joined here by the one and only John Somsky. So I'm going to promote John to a panelist while we get into it here. Speaking of community and learning together, uh, John is the director of our online home games uh, uh, program here. We do 10 home games a week, uh, just free play money home games where people can practice and play against each other and, and practice um, different moves and that kind of thing. Um, you're obviously, just like we are, you're a proponent of learning together and finding people to study with. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, because, uh, I mean, you know, Ape Styles, his name is gold in the poker world. And um, I remember... I, I was a podcast guy. I would just listen to podcasts all the time. And I remember when uh, Assassinato on the uh, One Outer was talking about um, uh, getting on with Ave Styles and all the stuff that he was doing at the at the edge of the curve there. Um, and just having people to, like having some people to look up to, but also some people just to disagree with and some people just to share ideas with. Can you just talk a little bit about what has been the most helpful aspect of of joining a group like that or how, how that's helped you learn? Yeah, absolutely. So like with BBZ, I mean, there's a lot, like I don't even, I don't have the time to take advantage of everything that is part of that community, um, you know, because the Discord's very active with a lot of people posting hands and talking about hands and stuff like that, you know, and I have to kind of decide like with the time that I have available, like what can I reasonably do? And keeping up with the webinars is my first priority. Um, but you do like the times when I can be on the webinars, they're 10 a.m. my time. And when I work, I work till 11. So I can't be on at all that week. So I try to be on um, when I'm off, when I can. If I'm going away, then I miss those too. But when you can be involved in the webinar, then there's um, a lot of back and forth and also just a lot of one on one interaction with the coaches. Um, but you get to know the people that are in the group as well. And so like a couple of my closest friends are people from Elevate, you know, where we had a lot of interaction. We were all on the webinar kind of live together because the group was small. Um, and what was amazing about that was the day of the final table of five for the women's event. Um, you know, I had, you know, one good friend who's an amazing player who's really moved up the ranks, who plays full time, George. And, you know, George was, you know, he was like, oh, he was very excited that I had made the final table. And he's like, you know, you know, I could run Sims for you overnight. And I'm like, that would be amazing. You know, and so he ran like five different final table Sims for me overnight. And we spent 90 minutes that morning going over these Sims and like, you know, what should opening ranges, how should this change? And like in these, all these different scenarios that could come up, you know, and just, you know, and none of them exactly are going to come up, but just having your mind kind of primed as to, you know, what the 20 big blinds should stack should be doing when the big stacks in the, you know, on the big blind and, you know, all these different things. And then a different friend, Patrick, who was great. And just, he kind of helped me kind of go through and just like, let's just make up a first round of the table thing, like a football game plan. Right. You know, where it's like, okay, you know, this is going to be this for sure. This is going to be the situation, the first hand you're dealt, you know, we know you're going to be in this, you know, the small blind or the yep. big blind or whatever. And let's just go through those things and talk about all the different scenarios that could occur. What are you willing to get all in with? What are you willing to three bet shove? You know, I had 24 big blinds going into the final table and just talking about that after doing those Sims too was amazing. So like when you have friends like that, you know, you know, you're not just like resting and meditating, like you're really getting prepared and that's an enormous advantage, you know? So. 
Yeah. And I think the more of that stuff, you know, a lot, we're all recreational players here. And so we only have so much time to play or study with real jobs and everything else that goes on in our lives. But I, I really do feel like the more of that kind of stuff you can prepare in advance, the more you can internalize it so that when you're at the table, you're, you've already thought about it. You know, you, you're able to unlock your brain to work on other things and to feel comfortable in there. I think that I, for, for players like me, anyway, I find that really comforting. 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're somebody who has a full-time job, you know, I'm not a full-time poker player by any means. Um, but like at whatever level you are, um, you can, you know, like one of the things that I kind of disagree with is this sort of thing about like, oh, you know, if you're going to watch a poker video, you know, you need to be taking notes and hundred percent focus on a video and et cetera. And I was like, yeah, that's ideal, you know, but like we all have real lives and like, you know, what, if in order for me to be able to get through the material that I want to get through, sometimes it's with me walking around with my laptop while I'm brushing my teeth, you know, and while I'm waiting for the coffee to get ready and, you know, like, where can I work it in, you know, and making, you know, every minute that I can count towards trying to get through the things that I want to get through, you know, and if you're somebody who just doesn't have a lot of time, it's hard to sometimes like, I find it hard to find time to play a full online tournament day, you know, like that's a whole day dedicated to just that, but you can sit and play a couple of sit and goes, you know, and get through a lot of the same experience, you know, in a sit and go format, I think it's hugely valuable, you know, and I find, um, you know, that, you know, just trying to be creative and get what you can out of the time and the, you know, job and rest of the real life that like most of us have, you know, is the way to get ahead. Yeah. And speaking of the final table, um, we got a message. I don't know if it was on discord from Eric Jin telling us that, hey, my friend Laura is going to be on the final <laughs> table. So I thought, oh, cool. I'm going to have to watch that. So I, I fired it up. And so I watched most of that final table. And you seem very cool, calm, and collected the whole time. Now, you're on a feature table, and you got the cameras. You got the all the action is being dictated by, I mean, the dealer I know has a little microphone like this. So he's talking whenever there's a big decision. So then there's a, there's a pause and everybody has to get in the right position and, and mm -hmm. the commentators have to do what I I've been there once and people always ask me, how did it feel? So I'm going to ask you, how did it feel? <laughs> yeah. To me, um, honestly, I didn't even know that it was going to be a feature table thing until like somewhere in the day before, like while we were, you know, playing down to the final nine, people were like, you know, da, 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 and it's going to be the televised, you know, whatever streamed final table. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even know that it was going to be a thing. And my whole attitude going to this Vegas trip was that my next bucket list thing was going to be to try to final table a major tournament. You know, I had a circuit ring from Iowa where you guys are talking about, which is now, you know, a, a warm place in my heart for Iowa. But, um, you know, but I wanted to make the final table of a WPT or a WSOP main, you know, major event kind of thing. And so I felt like I'd already done what I came to do, you know, and, you know, especially in getting down to the five and like getting to be in a stream thing. I was like, I'm coming in as the shortest stack on the table. And, you know, in a way it's like the pressure's off. Cause like, if you come out in fifth place, well, you came in in fifth place. So like nothing really particularly lost. You know, and any any laddering up that you do is is great, and that's gravy, and that's on top of you know what to me was already a successful thing. So I really didn't put pressure on myself to have any outcome in particular on the tournament, which I think helped. Um, but then, as far as it was the first time I'd been playing poker, you know, with cameras and all the rest of the stuff, and I kind of just didn't want to 
do something completely stupid in the first like 30 minutes. Like that was kind of the main thing. It's like, if I make it 30 minutes without doing something I'm going to be horrifically embarrassed by on the stream, you know, then I feel like, all right, then I can kind of screw up at that point. And, and it was amazing because the very first hand, if you saw the stream, it folds to me in the, in the, on the button and I have pocket eights and um, I raise off 24 big blinds and JJ Lou like three bets me like not, I think, not even quite three X my raise from the small blind. And, and I tanked for a while and eventually folded. She had pocket aces um, as it turned out. But as you know, it's one of the things that did cross my mind is I'm sitting there. It's like, am I really going to go out on the first hand, you know, and is this going to look extraordinarily dumb? You know, whatever I do, whether I fold or I don't fold. I've honestly, I just decided that I didn't think she would do that with anything worse than eights. Um, so I folded and turned out to be correct. You know, but she could have done it with ace queen or whatever, you know, so it's, you know, hard to know. But, um, you know, once 30 minutes had gone by, which goes by quickly, you know, as you, I suppose, know, um, then I was like, all right, I don't think I've done anything horribly embarrassing. And then just kind of relax. And you stop, start forgetting about the fact that you're even like Mike to yourself, you know. So, you know, there's a couple of times there were just, you know, the woman next to me and I are like chatting about something and just talking, you know, during an idle moment. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're mic'd. You know, people can hear that you talk and you just forget about it. So, but, you know, it was fun. And, uh, it, you know, the dealers are great. And it was, you know, just just kind of a hoot to to be there and just to be in the situation. You know, like no matter what was going to come out of it, that that was just kind of a trip. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's kind of the way I felt about it. Everybody asked me, weren't you nervous or weren't you? And I, and I said, well, not really, because I was concentrating so much on, like you said, on not being doing something stupid and by playing good poker and concentrating on what was going on at the table to really that, that other stuff that is all external and you don't even realize it's there. So you did a great job. I was very, I I was, it was a lot of fun watching that table and watching the dynamics go down. It was great. Yeah. I was really trying to just focus a lot on just paying intense, like focus, just be intensely focused on the action too. Um, I had made, because I'd been playing online so much, I had made like a couple of day or the day before, I think a couple of just like live action screw ups, you know, where like, you know, you have like a large chip stuck to something else, you know, or we had a thing where like somebody was like screaming and doing something like crazy in the middle of a hand. And I ended up like forexing it, like my open (laughs) instead of min raising my open, you know, and then that other woman who was distracted by the screaming didn't see my open. So she like min raises herself and they're like, no, there's a four X. And she's like a four X. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I have to call. And like, we end up in this like ridiculous hand, which I, you know, end up like losing a whole bunch of chips over. And it's like all avoidable. So I was like, I don't want to make any just like stupid, like live poker gaffes, you know? And so that was part of it. And then also I just think people um, do give away um, information live that you don't get to see online. And so just to try to pick up on any of that and, um, also, just to see how differently people were going to play. If were people going to play differently under the cameras than they were the day before, and are they tighter? And you know, are they paying attention to ICM? Or are they not? Like, there's so much to to really focus on. Mm. Well, it's uh, we did kind of bury the lead uh, off the beginning. Yes, this is the uh, first place finalist, the uh, the winner <laughs> of the uh, ladies event here this year, and uh, that must have just been quite an experience to go through. Um, 
And it's comforting to hear about the physical, the live gaffes, because I, I saw a lot of that when I was down there. And I did a couple of those uh, when I was playing in a couple of events. Um, and it is, I don't know about you, I beat myself up over that kind of stuff. Like those unforced errors like that, it's like that's hard to, uh, <laughs> it's hard yep. to get away from. But you need to just forget it and move on, right? And have that, have that winning yep. mindset into the next hand. So uh, I know you've got to get up early uh, with your schedule. Um, what's what's leave us with like what's next for you now? You've crossed this item off the bucket list. You've you've got the you, you've you've accomplished so much in all these different areas of your life. What what do you kind of aspire to next? And how can folks at Rec Poker Nation follow along with you on your journey? Where can they find you and find out more about you? Oh sure, yeah. So I mean, for me, for poker, it's like you know. I, I really don't set goals around outcome things, you know? And so like making the final table of the thing was really just like a bucket list thing and not a, an actual goal, you know, but um, you know, obviously I'd love to make a final table of something, you know, major again, or I'd love to win another bracelet, but the, you know, those things are just very much bucket list, you know, kind of things. I'll be back out. I fly out to Vegas on Saturday for the main event and I'm entering on Sunday. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, but, um, you know, for poker, it's just going to be from this point more of the same, you know, of studying and whatnot. I'll probably retire from radiology in a couple of years um, and then I'll have more time to focus on poker, but also just travel and, you know, loving life and enjoying life. And, you know, I have lots of other things that I like to do, but, um, you know, but, you know, poker is going to definitely stay a big part of my life for quite some time. Um, so I'm on uh Twitter periodically. Um, I'm at, at Eisen009. I can't say that I'm like super connected um, on Facebook or Twitter. It's like usually like, okay, making a deep run. So I'll be on Facebook or Twitter. But it's like, I don't bore people with like, you know, I'm at the end of day one, you know, and it's like, you know, most of the time you're just going to like bust out somewhere. In the <laughs> so I'm on sporadically. But, uh, but that's if, if people want to reach me, I do a little bit of coaching, um, you know, so um that's um uh, but eisen009 on twitter is how people can reach me probably the easiest right on well i'm sure you'll get a few uh followers that enjoyed uh listening to you on the show today and i hope you get a chance to come back uh, i'd love to talk more about billiards with you i know uh kim who came a little late she's also a retired medical professional who loves traveling around playing poker so i think we've got a lot of things we can we talk about to together yes i think so well um lara we're going to start the uh, we'll run our ad for jonathan little shortly and you're welcome to stick around afterwards but all we're going to do is talk about who won the home games and what rob's getting Sounds up good. into the book study so if this we really if fun yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope it's not for the last time. And um, I look forward to seeing how these other bucket list uh, items work out for you. So congratulations thank again. You so Way much. to go. Appreciate yeah. being part of this great group. Thank you. All right. See you again soon. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess, and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. 
Uh, thank you, Jonathan Little, for all your support over the uh, years. Jonathan Little, uh, if you go to pokercoaching.com slash rec poker, uh, you can get a money back guarantee from Jonathan. Go try it out. See if uh, you enjoy it. And if you don't, just uh, take care and uh, he'll send you that money back. But we hope that uh, you do go and give him a try. Uh, he really knows what he's talking about. And he's been a good friend of the show here at Rec Poker. So uh, that's the end of Laura. That was a wonderful interview. It was great getting to know her a little better. Um, Rob, Kim, John, uh, any thoughts on her journey or where we might see her next um, before we get into the community half of the show? Maybe we'll oh, see the other her day, next on the I, empowerment group. That's a great idea, Kim. Yeah, I love that idea. I like to, to talk, to her, talk more to her more. That. Yeah, more about women focused poker experience. Mm. So, yeah. Nice. So maybe more to that. Well, we the can find day, her on I, Twitter. Yeah, the other day I, I saw a tweet where somebody predicted that there would be a woman at the final table of the main event. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think Laura would be a great candidate for that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> she seems to be very, very, I, I believe she, she said she's playing it. So, <laughs> right. uh, and she said she'd be happy to volunteer to be that person. <laughs> yes, We have it on <laughs> and, good authority that she's down. Yes. And I, I think that, I think she's focused and, and, uh, I'll, <laughs> Definitely an accomplished enough player that she could definitely be that person. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we're overdue. We're overdue. And, you know, um, it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big part of our mission here is to make the poker world more inclusive, to make people that feel uncomfortable, feel more comfortable, whether that's women or or men or anyone else. Um, And so I think it would be great to get some more, uh, uh, woman faces at the at the final table and winning more of these bracelets just to go out there and be that positive role model for uh, all these aspiring players. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a thing. I remember when I had my deep runs, they all came sort of close together within a six month period. Mm. So maybe this is the uh, year of Lara at the hey, uh, WSOP. Like, there you I go. Like I bet I bet she likes that idea too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, that was a good one. I hope we get a chance to have her back on again. And yeah, Kim, I think you're right. I think she'd be a great candidate for your monthly uh, empowerment conversation. So um, maybe we can put put you in touch uh, uh, after the show. Got the info already. There you go. You're all locked in. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let me see what else is going on in uh, Memberland. I should say, I'll, I'll say again, we've got the Iowa Council Bluffs trip coming up November 11th to 14th. And then in December, we're going to be heading down to uh, Thunder Valley as part of the WPT event down there that our friend uh, Brian Raven won uh, free entry into through our Club WPT uh, collaboration. So I'm excited to see that coming up. If folks are interested, go to rec.poker slash road trips, and you can find out all the details on that and more things that are coming up. Uh, Kim, did, you just... Yeah, I go ahead. did. Yeah, no, I did put a little um post in the travel forum as oh well, great about seeing if there was anybody interest who's planning on going if there's anybody trying to get you know houses together or roommates or whatever i haven't heard anything back yet but it's in there nice so because I-, I didn't see anything yet in the road trip section about it yeah, I think uh, because Steve and I are still getting back from Vegas and getting organized, I think it's just we are not quite as on top of things. John and Rob can attest to <laughs> to that. We're still figuring out a couple things here, but um, yeah, I know Steve's planning on going. I think he's getting a hotel room. I don't know if we're going to do a rec poker house for this one or if we'll just kind of travel down and visit while we're down there. But 
um, that'll be great. And I love that you're uh, taking on that um, travel group in the forums there, because I've seen people sharing uh, ideas about travel dates and how to get rooms together and that kind of thing. So I, I can tell that's going to, as live poker opens up, that's just going to get more and more uh, exciting. I happen to have November 11th to 15th free on my calendar. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking about it. What, I'm thinking you, about it. You're going to go find another Walgreens parking lot and do a do a testing swab across the border again. You and I had to, <laughs> they make us jump through all these hoops coming down from Canada. But uh, when, right. when the action's good, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I don't think I'm going to make it down to this one, unfortunately, but I am just jonesing for some more fun live poker since on my trip to vegas so it's not easy to find here in southern ontario i'm gonna have to go somewhere to get it but it's happening soon i think somehow um what else uh, what else is going on rob do you want to take us through uh i know you guys just finished a uh, chapter nine i think is that right in michael yep. acevedo's uh modern poker theory um the first and third wednesdays of each month we get together at uh, 6.30 Central Time, and we talk about Modern Poker Theory um, by Michael Acevedo. That's the book we're consuming right now. Um, we're, we've been through all of the, we're in the MTT section. Um, we've been through all of the pre-flop stuff, so now we're going to get into the post-flop stuff. So we're going to talk about c-betting, bet sizings, uh, things like that. So pretty... Uh, it's getting down and dirty now, so we're going to be, um, I think we're going to be going much quicker now, too. I mean, there was a lot of uh, a lot of content in the pre-flop, and now mm-hmm. that we're getting into the post-flop, I think it's going to, it's, it seems to be a little more, it'll flow a little, a little quicker now than it had, uh, as not as much detail, so. Yeah, that makes sense. You guys were really building a foundation in the first several chapters, and now you get to kind of just execute and operate within that framework. Well, if that makes sense. And if you think about it, um, you are involved in every single hand pre-flop, mm, mm-hmm. but you're not involved in every single hand post-flop. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more decision-making pre-flop than there is post I mean, just to get involved in the hand. Um, so there's a lot more nuances in deciding when to get involved and how to get involved, you know, limp, raise, three bet, four bet, whatever. So, yeah, good point. Well, it is the modern poker Bible. So I'm excited to uh, keep, keep seeing how that comes along. It's the kind of book that you definitely want to take on with a friend. So I'm glad you, (laughs) I'm glad you're leading the group. (laughs) And uh, I've got uh, some other exciting news. I think I'm breaking this uh, Gareth James from the MTT Poker Academy is going to be taking uh, a bigger role with Rec Poker going forward. We're going to get a chance to meet up with Gareth once a month for some of our premium members to review some strategy material of his. Uh, we're going to be, uh, well, I won't go too into the details, but if you're a Gareth James fan, and you should be, he's a great guy, a great coach, and um, really really excellent at working with recreational players. Uh, I think you'll get to know them even better over the next little while. So that's something new that's coming. And um, here, John, I guess, why don't you take us through, we did the marathon last week of uh, all the, all the new winners in the home game uh, since we were taking our Las Vegas trip, but now we're back with just a normal week of just 10 plus games for you to recap. 
Yeah, I thought I wanted to be out of town last time <laughs> while the catch up was happening because there were just way too many names to go over with. And people would have been sick of my voice. Now they're just sick of yours. Much better. Situation. Well, they're definitely sick of mine by now. <laughs> All right. For the nightly events, we have Night Owl. Chris Room got his fourth uh, nightly victory for the year. Nice. Milo Junk, Miles Hudson, got his four, also got his fourth for the year. Nice. Jay Set M. Jay Setem. Jay Setem. <laughs> we got him, guys. We got him. <laughs> okay. Jay Setem. Uh, Jeff S. Got his first nightly victory for the year. That's a, and we've got a couple Jeff S's now. So, you know, Rec Poker is growing enough that it's going to take more than a name and an initial to uh, to claim your claim your spot here. Congratulations. Yeah. Maybe it's J.S. Adam. Ooh, yeah. Now we're talking. J.S. Adam. We don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, J.S., isn't that his initials, J.S.? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's yep. J.S. Adam. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. <laughs> Wolfman 109, Adam Wolf got his Adam. fifth nightly victory. Awesome. Nice. Gray 371, Thomas Pena also got his fifth victory. Way to go, Trey. The nice aces, Denise Allen, got hey. her second nightly victory for the year. Nice. She's a fun follow on Twitter, too. And then uh, aces 54, 3 Two zero, Kathy Chang got her first mixed practice victory for the year. No surprise. She's a beast in the mixed games. Uh, I think some of our members got a chance to meet up with her down in Vegas uh, while Steve was down there. Kathy, if you're listening, uh, thanks for the fun time and congratulations on your uh, mixed game victory. Then Keck Geek 65 got his third international victory for the year. And I believe that is his 18th out of his 20 victory goal for the year. Yeah. Throughout all of the yeah. uh, series. I mean, we all thought he was crazy in January. He, he called his shot. He said, my goal is to win 20 rec poker home games this year. And we were like, Oh, Jacob. Oh, 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 oh the kids these days. Uh, but no, he's, he's showing us, man, that is his 18th victory and it's November 1st. He's got two months to go. So Jacob, I'll yep. tell you my favorite number is 22. And so I'm just saying 20 sounds good, but 22, you know, that's really going to lock up the rec poker performance of the year. So I, I, congratulations to Jacob for uh, what he's doing. We might have to have him on the show one of these days and uh, share, share the love, find out what's he doing. How is he doing it? How is he crushing this field so consistently? Well, done, actually, sir. I think he should go to 32 because, you know, <laughs> being a computer programmer, uh, squares of two, you know, yeah. yeah. I think that would be more fair. I think yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, good but, point. Uh, good point. Jeff. 18 is an excellent record, and 20 is going to be. Uh, I have no doubt that he will make it. Me too. Then we had Jasper Jr., Patrick Berry. Yeah, Pat. Got his uh, fourth international victory for the year. Nice. And then J.S. Adam, Jeff S., <laughs> also He's back. won the daily LPP back. victory. So you can contact Jim at rec.poker. For your free month subscription to Learn Pro Poker. Thanks, John. Yeah, Jeff, uh, send me an email, jim at rec.poker, and we'll get you all set up. You'll love uh, all of the learning materials available with Ryan the Plant and Learn Pro Poker. And anyone else, if you know, 
I think it's 35 or 40 bucks a month to join LPP and it is good value. You can go to rec.poker slash resources and find a link that gets you a little discount there. Um, But if anyone who plays in our Sunday tournaments, which are free, if you win it, we're going to give you a free month at LPP. So all you got to do, show up on Sunday, win the home game, get a free month at LPP, and then go on and uh, bink a bracelet like our friend Lara. Um, It's that easy. So um, what else do we have coming up? It's going to be the Heads Up event in December. Is that the third Saturday, John? The third Saturday, December 18th, will be our final Heads Up victory for the year. And this will be the third and final uh, Rec Poker member who will get automatically entered into Marek Madness. Marek Madness. It'll be here before we know it. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Bragging rights, another shot at a pin. And um, ultimately, what it really is about is just getting better at heads up play. So when you are there neck and neck with someone else and you don't want to chop it for the bracelet, you can go in with the killer instinct and the practice and the experience and knock them dead. So, yeah, come along and sign up for that one. December 18th, give yourself a little early Christmas present. Um, Well, I think that's it on my list. Does anybody have anything that they'd like to add before we roll on out of here? Seeing none, I would really like to thank Martha and Jim and uh, uh, Kim and John and Rob and Lara and everyone else, Eric, who was hanging around in the uh, chat here as well for a while. Um, Oh, God. Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. And, of course, you, the listeners. Thank you so much. See you soon.